Hey, if you haven't been with us over the last few weeks, we've been working through the book of Colossians. And if you have your Bible, I want you to get it ready at Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. We're going to read a little bit of that together this morning. But just to quickly recap, uh, we're digging into the whole uh, idea of belonging to Jesus, belonging to his church, and belonging to his work in the earth, his cause in the earth. And, and, and how in the book of Colossians, uh, Paul goes quite aggressively uh, confronting and attacking the things that want to establish themselves as good ideas and good philosophical ideas and good religious practices and, and, and all of that sort of stuff in the hope that it will help people feel like they belong to God and connected to his people and his cause in the earth. But Paul goes and he destroys all that stuff that's been, that's been building up and, and that people have been giving themselves to thinking that it was God when in fact it was, it was um, either just human tradition or it was philosophical high thinking of people and, and it was even um, mystical um, spiritual experiences uh, where it was a case of like if you weren't having these mystical spiritual experiences then you weren't actually, you know, um, really you're an outsider if you weren't having those mystical experiences where you were coming up with these incredible revelations of God that no one else has had. And Paul goes and just completely wipes all that out. And he just destroys it and deconstructs it. And he, and, he, and he reminds the church that it's all about Jesus. That the mystery of God, if you want to get into the real mystical stuff of God, if you want to become a CI, CSI guru on God and pull him apart, then you're going to find that the richness and the treasure is, is Jesus, his son. And as you connect to Jesus, you find your place of belonging to God, to each other, and your place of, in, in, in the cause of Jesus in the earth. And so Paul's been like aggressively tearing that up, and we've been going into that and, and walking through that. Um, but this morning, I, I, I want to particularly <clears throat> you know, address the issue of behavior. Um, Christian behavior. Now, a lot of churches, church cultures, or Christian cultures and contexts, or not just churches, but organizations, businesses, schools, education, institutions, clubs, you name it, to belong, you have to behave a certain way. Uh, sometimes there's like a code of conduct. Uh, there is a, a, a measurable way that says, oh yes, if you behave like that, then yes, you belong. Well, Paul's actually going the other direction. He's saying it's got nothing to do with how you behave, but it's who you know. And as you connect with Jesus, there you find your place of belonging, and there alone. Now, but being connected to Jesus, Paul then's been writing through this amazing letter called Colossians, by being connected to Jesus, he starts to finish off and he starts to call the church to grow up. And he says to them, hey, it's time for you to mature. And if you're belonging to Jesus, there's going to be an overflow of his reality that spills out in the way that you behave. Not, you don't behave to get Jesus. You behave this way because of Jesus. 
And Paul's trying to help the people. You've got to hold that in place. Because everything else about culture and spirituality and pagan act, spiritual activities and everything else in our world and culture wants to say it's the other way. To belong to God, you've got to come through these performance behaviours to feel like you can belong and then arrive. Whereas Paul's saying, no, it's just connect to Jesus. Just connect to Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus. And out of being connected with him flows this lifestyle. And I want to pick up on, on some of that this morning. This, this lifestyle of belonging to Jesus. So um, if you have your Bible, open it up to Colossians chapter 4. And in, in Colossians, Paul is dealing with these, uh, these, these three things. Let me just quickly... Uh, well, I don't have it actually. Oh, yes, I do. Here we go. Paul, Paul is, is dealing with these, th- these three things. <clears throat> these are both behaviours and spiritual dynamics. He's dealing with... Um, Salvation through legalism or ritual, ritualistic behaviour. That's the way you get saved. You've got to behave or do these certain religious practices to get saved. And he destroys that. And then he goes on and he destroys the whole idea of Gnostic behaviour or spiritual you know, experiences. will save you. No, no, it's just meeting Jesus, the Son of God, the one who died and rose again. It's in meeting with him. And then he also deals with the whole issue of um, where people had it, the, bigger, the bigger sort of words, if you want the bigger words, are like pluralism and, and syncretism where people are saying, well, I'll have a bit of this God and a bit of that God and a bit of this God and I'll draw on all of those to make my life saved or better or healthy. And Paul points that out to the church. He's saying, hey, church... Be careful because this is coming into the ranks. And, and what's coming into the ranks is people are lowering Jesus to a God instead of realising they are connected to Jesus who is the son of the most high God. Okay, so Paul's destroying all these things while he's writing to the church. Alrighty, so Colossians chapter 4, I'm going to pick up in verse 2. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too. Now remember, Paul here is in, in Rome and he's under house arrest. He's in prison for his, for his faith in Jesus. Um, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everybody. And this is the, the last part of this letter is where he starts to just give his final greetings to people and letting people know about what's happening with some of the guys that are traveling with him. And he says, Tychicus uh, will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother uh, and fellow servant in the Lord. And I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know our circumstances and that uh, that he may encourage your heart. 
Because obviously the people are concerned about the fact that Paul is in prison and under arrest. So he's sending one of his guys back to Colossae and Laodicea. And he's saying, I'm sending so you can just know how encouraged we are that you might be encouraged as well. He's coming with Onesimus, one of our faithful and dear brothers, who's one of you. And they will tell you everything that's happening here. My fellow prisoner... Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. He, you, received, you have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. There's a bit of backstory there, but I won't go into that. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. Now, that's not Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, that's like Jesus or Joshua, that was a common name of the day. Okay, so, But he went by the name of Justice, also sends his greetings. There are only a few Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proven a comfort to me. Epaphras, who's one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in the will, all the will of God, mature, and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send their greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and the church that's in her house. After this letter has been read to you, See to it that it's also read in the church of, Laodicean, of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to, it, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Isn't that really great? Just an amazing letter that Paul writes there and he finishes it off so amazingly um so this morning i i I want us to tap into the fact that paul is actually now saying now that we have clearly connected to the reality of jesus and belong to jesus and and you may remember back in colossians 2 we read this scripture so then just as you have received christ jesus as lord Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And, and we started to explore at that point the whole idea of if you're going to belong to Jesus, there is meant to be this outworking of the overflowing reality of who he is. And, and, and traditionally, you know, people go around with the idea, well, I'm only a half cup full person. And other people, uh, you know, other, other people say, I'm a cup half empty person. Well, Paul just demolishes both those opinions of people. And he says, well, the follower of Jesus is just meant to be a person of overflow. Not half empty, not half over, overflowing. The reality of Jesus is meant to bring this dimension of behavioral change and transformation in the way we think and do life do relationships and so forth. And so, so this morning, I just want to zero in on a few of these um, overflowing realities, knowing that at the same time, this is a call to maturity. 
This is a call to growing up in Christ Jesus. And so you may not be overflowing with some of these realities, but I'm praying that as we listen to this and look at some of this stuff, the Holy Spirit will invite you to a new place of experiencing the overflow of God in these realities. So the first one, Paul says, is he says, be, um, be devoted to prayer. Hang on, let me just... Here we go. Signs of the overflow. He says, devote yourself to prayer and be watchful, being watchful and thankful. That, that, that whole idea of devoted to prayer means just be like someone who is continually steadfast in conversation with God. It doesn't matter if it is all going great or if it's all going not great. It's just about being this in this continual, steadfast conversation and relationship with Jesus. Continual communion. You can go back and spend time on this point in John 17 where you can join, actually relationally hook into the prayer of Jesus. And you might want to do that this week in your own conversation with God. Go back and read John 17. The prayer of Jesus. That Father, they may be one that like, just like you and I are one. And drawn up into the reality of that relationship in the Godhead. But often I get told, and I think this is a real cop-out. And it's an Australian attitude. Well, I'm not, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at prayer. That's, a, that's a, such a cop-out. Because what that is saying is there is immaturity there. And it's saying, oh, I'm not a good prayer. Well, that's a reflection of the fact that we're not actually being rooted in, invested in, and being built up in the overflow of connectedness to Jesus. It's a little window. It's a little sign that says, hello, something's missing in the relationship here. We should all be these continually steadfast people of prayer. Prayer has got a bad rap because over time it's been given this whole cloak of what prayer looks like. And if you're not this great general of intercession or if you're not a great mystic who loves to light candles and wave smoke around or something in between, then, then you feel completely shut out because they're all the models of prayer that have been demonstrated through the ages. Now, I'm not saying that they are wrong, but when you use them as an excuse to not engage, you've got something wrong going on. Can you hear the difference? Some people love to, you know, I thought that was great that, you know, Ryan was praying about surfboards and stuff. Some guys I know, they love and get most connected and in conversation with God when they're sitting on a surfboard out the back waiting for that next wave to come along. There are sacred pathways here, people. God has made you, and there's a whole series of stuff I think we'll probably unpack in the next little while about how to really invest in this idea of continual conversation and prayer because there's sacred pathways and some people connect to God this way, some people, you know, through waves. Some people love to connect with God by going through a walk through um, the forest. Some people love to connect with God by going and exercising. There's some, there's some people just love to sit and read a book. None of those models or illustrations are inherently wrong or bad. 
They only become inherently wrong, or they don't become inherently wrong or bad. They become a frustration and a roadblock when we use them as an excuse to say, oh, that's not me. Well, I thought we solved who we were earlier this year. We're God's kids. We're his sons and daughters. The identity issue is solved. You know who you are in Christ Jesus. We've worked hard on that this year. So we can't use that as an excuse to say, oh, that's not me, because we actually know who we are. So Paul's, Paul's pressing into the Colossians here and he's saying, hey, guys, be good at this stuff. There should be an overflow of conversation between you and God flowing in your life. He says, while you're doing it, be watchful and thankful. Well, what is he watching for? Well, he's watching for the inbreaking of the kingdom of God as he's praying. Most people spend a lot of their time in prayer, and a lot of the time we go, only go into conversation with God because things aren't great. And even then when we go into conversation with God or prayer, as Paul calls it, a lot of the time we don't even talk to him. We're just so wrapped up and focused on the, the stuff that's binding us and holding us captive that we've actually taken our eyes off Jesus. Look for the inbreaking of the kingdom. Look for the inbreaking of the power of the love of God for your life. Paul's saying there should be this ongoing conversation flowing out of you in your relationship with Jesus where the continual orientation of your eyes and heart is to looking for the inbreaking of God's love and kingdom, his dynamic rule and reign. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Father, and we sang it, your kingdom come. We're looking for the kingdom to come. We're looking for the power of God's love to rule and reign in our circumstances and in our friends' circumstances as well. What are we looking for? We're looking for God to come and, and, and release his rule and reign in the circumstance. Um, and be thankful for that. Become a person of celebration. Become a person of celebration and thankfulness, overflowing, Colossians 2.6. This overflow of thanksgiving is like when we see each other, it's a case of, you know what? When I, you, God did this for me this week. This should be the overflow of our conversation. I saw God heal someone on Friday night. There was a young guy here on Friday night. He got healed. His back got healed. I saw, I saw God doing all this stuff in this room yesterday. There was just people hungry for God's presence and the Holy Spirit fell on them in this room and some of them were babbling in spiritual tongues and some were like laughing, just this joy was all over them and others were just like enjoying God's goodness. It was like God was all over the place. This should be the overflow of our connectedness to Jesus and our conversation amongst each other and for those that we're doing life with who, you know... It's, I, your workplaces, I am sure of it, are full of everything that stinks about the world. And everyone has an opinion on it. Change the conversation. Hello? Change the conversation. Just change. Well, yeah, I know all that stinks, but you know what I saw this week? When I was talking with God, he showed me this picture of things that he's doing in my life. And actually, as I'm talking to you right now, I feel like he wants you to know this. And be flowing in the person of the Holy Spirit who's upon us. We're the people who are anointed by God. 
Now, anointing is not some little, let's take some oil and do this. That's the wrong biblical understanding of anointing. That's an, that's an Old Testament word that the New Testament picks up on, being anointed in the Holy Spirit. That's something that happened only to the kings of God's people in the earth, in the Old Testament. And what they would do is they would literally pour a bucket of oil over people until it was just like drenching them, symbolizing the profuse amount of God's favor on them to the point where they, it would be dripping off them. This is what it means to be anointed in the Holy Spirit. If you guys would just go like that, it's just like... It's meant to be like the presence of God is just like flowing off us. You have way more than you realize. And the reason why we don't realize it is because we hide behind cop-outs, and we hide behind the cop-outs because we still wrestle with this whole idea of who am I? Well, you're God's kids, anointed by his Spirit. Become a person of thanksgiving and celebration. And, I, and, and I, I, I think Epaphras there, he talks about Epaphras' wrestling in prayer for you. I think, that there's a, I think that was a grace of the Holy Spirit on his life. And, you know, I felt like this, as I was prepping earlier this morning, I felt like the Lord said, I'm going to release that same anointing that was on Epaphras. I'm just going to anoint it to anybody and release it to anybody that wants the increase of what it means to be in prayer, wrestling for the goodness of the kingdom to come for others. So I, th- I think that's on the God agenda this morning. I think that's on part of his agenda this morning. So the fruit of belonging to Jesus flows out in being a person who is steadfast, not easily tossed about, not easily put off, not easily shut down, but someone who's just steadfast, given to prayer. That's not just for the prayers, it's for the follower of Jesus, for every follower of Jesus. So that's, that's one. This, this next one that I want to uh, pick up on uh, is, um, he says there, um, while he's in prison, he says, pray for me, or pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. Notice that he's not saying, pray that God would get me out of these chains. He's not praying that. He's not not concerned about his own well-being. He's like, pray for me that I would preach and declare God's here. His rule and reign is here. It's in Jesus. And pray that as, as I do that, doors would open up to that message. He's not praying to get out of the chain. He's praying for the kingdom to like invade his current circumstance. Is that how we pray? Is that, is that how we pray? Belonging to Jesus is to look for those closed doors. Those closed door environments that we live and walk in every day. And in the name of Jesus, say, open up. Let the kingdom of God come. I want to see the kingdom come in these, in these difficult, closed-up situations and circumstances. What are those closed doors in our daily life? 
What are those frustrating realities that want to shut you down, lock you away, and cancel your relationship with Jesus? Where you've tried to share your faith and someone's shut you down or given you a gobful in their response to you. Is that close? Really? Are we going to just let that shut the whole thing of the kingdom down? Where is the kingdom of God being resisted entry in our lives? Both here in us and in our relationships, in our workplaces, in our schools. Where is the kingdom of God in our governments? Where is the kingdom of God being given, is, is being resisted? There's doors there that need to open up. And Paul says... Pray for me that God would open those doors. Not get me out of the tough circumstance, but I want the doors open. Because if the doors open, if the spiritual environment opens to the rule and reign of God, then like they said in the book of Acts, some of the Pharisees, you know, they said, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with these guys? The whole world is going over to them. Are we praying for the doors to be opened where they are currently closed. And you know what he does? He's saying, guys, I need you to pray for me that the doors would be opened. If you're facing resistance and closed doors, be bold enough and humble enough to go to, go to your brother or sister who's like overflowing in the presence of God and say, would you pray for me that that door would open in that circumstance so that the reign and the favour of God would come to it? Be bold. Reach out. Ask. This is what it means to be the body. We're empowered to assist and walk alongside and, and help each other through these things. What are those closed doors? Are we asking people to join us in prayer that they would be opened? Uh, uh, some of you who, who came to uh, uh, Pattaya in Thailand a lot with us when we used to travel there a lot uh, would have met a good friend of ours um, by the name of Sarapon. And he, he, he has a church in Pattaya, Thailand. And when we first met him and started visiting there in Thailand, the, the whole of the Christian community there in Pattaya was probably only a couple of hundred people. So, you know, obviously it's an incredibly eclectic spiritual environment. Um, and Pattaya is a city that was completely built uh, and, and on, um, on just the excesses of human behavior, to put it nicely. It is just built for debauchery. And it's now owned by the Russian mafia. And now that city is ruled by darkness. And we just, we just started going there over, I don't know, it was about a 10-year period. And over that 10-year period, Sarah, he was praying, God, would you send people to open the doors so that when I preach the gospel, people might find Christ. And now the, the Christian population there is, is um, it's sort of pushing up over 500. 500 people know Jesus now in that, what you would think is a God-forsaken city where darkness rules. He's praying, he's praying. Are we praying? Are we praying that our region, the doors that are shut to the reality of God would be opened 
so that the kingdom might come. Some of us may even just have it, just, you know, in this season, God might be just saying, hey, listen, start asking someone to partner with you to pray for the doors to be opened, that the kingdom would come into this situation. Now, he goes on there, and I love this. Uh, he says, now, be, this is the third thing. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. I think it's really cool here in the same sentence or structure. Paul's using the idea of wisdom and opportunity, and they, go, they work together in this situation. And, 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 and so this, this whole idea of, you know, if you get your smarts on, if you had your head screwed on, if you're in any half-intelligent person... He's saying, make the most of every opportunity. Now, that word opportunity is an interesting one. Because in the Greek, it's, it's, it, it, it means kairos, which is a word for timing. Now, there's, there's timing like the time on our watch, which is chronos. You know, you see it on the watches, you know, chronos, chronology, which means one after the other, after the other, after the other. And then there's kairos, which is just kind of like all of a sudden timing. It's like, you know, yesterday I tried to put the key in that door and it just wouldn't open, wouldn't open, wouldn't open. But some, for some reason today I put the key in and it went straight in and it opened. It's a bit like one of our doors in the hallway here. It's totally frustrating to me. But sometimes my key works it and then all of a sudden the other days it's like, oh, well, in we go. It's just like all of a suddenness. Of, the, of, of God in a situation, of his kingdom breaking in. He said if you, you'd any, if you had any smarts about you as a follower of Jesus, you would realize that every moment that we're walking this planet is an opportune moment for God's reign to break in right there and then. And that we've been sent on this, this radical rollercoaster ride and calling to be people who bring divine appointments God moments that weren't there but are now for people's lives. That's what Paul's crying out for. And that's what he's saying. Hey, guys, this is the overflow of belonging to Jesus. This is what it looks like in action for us. We're these people that bring divine appointments to people. If you want to learn about how, what does a divine appointment look like, go and hang out with HOTS, the HOTS team. And just watch what's going on. It's so awesome. It's a lot of fun. And it's like faith. It's risk. It's all good stuff. But they meet with people, complete strangers. And then all of a sudden, they say, can we just pray for you? And as they're praying for them, God gives them their mail, the mail of the other person. They start sharing their, what they think God's saying. And then all of a sudden, people are like, how do you know this? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. He's just telling us this. It's because God wants you to know that he loves you and it opens them up to the presence of God. It opens them up. There was, there was no divine moment and now there is. Why? Because the people of Jesus just walked in. You guys, we, us, followers of Jesus here, Vineyard Pine Rivers, we are the bringers of divine appointments and if you had any smarts about you, any wisdom about you, you'd realise that. That's what Paul's saying to the church. It's probably the smartest thing you could do. 
The smartest thing you could do is realize that we are a people who see and bring the reality of God to others. That's why Jesus said, go. Go. Go into all the earth. Go. Locally, extra-locally, cross-culturally. Go. Be the bringers of the divine appointment of God into people's lives. Uh, you know, I had a, uh, I've shared this story here before, but um, when Corey and I were having lunch down at Nando's not so long ago, and um, although it is long ago now, um, not since I visited Nando's, but since this appointment happened, um, but we were down there and just we had lunch together, and out of the corner of my eye, I just saw a gentleman there, and uh, you know, I was retelling this story yesterday to some folk, and 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 just I saw him. He was obviously a Muslim gentleman, and he was working his prayer beads and. It was in the corner there by himself. And then just as we'd finished lunch, I just said, hey, Corey, i just got to go and talk to this guy. And so I just walked over to this guy and said, hi, my name's Kirk. And while I was having lunch, God told me to come over here to let you know that his son's name is Jesus and he's the one true God and he loves you and he wants to bless you and he wants to bring his kingdom to you. And at that point, the man just looked at me like, what? Because he didn't speak English. <laughs> and so, and he's like, in his tongue, and his native tongue, and he, and, he, and he yells out, and the waitress comes over, and then I, so I say to the waitress, well, while I was having lunch with my friend over here, I saw this man here, and God told me to go over to this man and let him out, and so I'm recounting it to her, and, then she, and so I'm saying, can you just tell him that? And she, she starts to, and then she turns to me, she says, What? I said, well, yeah, you heard me. I just, this, I'm having lunch. God told me. I'm coming over. And so anyway, she's like, what? I don't get this. And by this time, the man, he's getting a little more wound up. And he's, he's talking uh, uh, like towards the kitchen. And then obviously another man comes out from the kitchen. And he's like, is everything all right here? And so now I've got the kitchen bloke. I've got the waitress. And I've got this guy, the, the Muslim gentleman with his prayer beads. And and so I said, well, well, this is why I'm having lunch. And then God interrupted my lunch. He told me to tell this guy here that... And, and I recount the story to him. And, and I said, so can you tell him that? And he says, okay. And so he, he tells the gentleman that. And, and then I said, um, now, um, would it be okay if I prayed for him? And while I'm at it, and this is when the, the Holy Spirit just all of a sudden rushed in on the back of it. And I said, and while I'm at it, as I'm looking at that man, I think that man's your father, isn't he? And he goes, how do you know that? I said, well, God just told me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, before you know it, we've got our hands laid on the three of them. And the Holy Spirit is just invading them with the love of God. They give us a hug and they say, please come back. We're the people that bring the divine appointment we are the people that bring the divine appointment. I was at the bottle shop only a couple of months back. I was, I was on the way home grabbing a bottle of wine and pulled into the bottle shop, got out, walked in there, and it was quite obviously that the, um, uh, one of the staff there had a bad back. She was work, working behind the counter, and you could tell she was in quite distress. It didn't, wasn't a word of knowledge or anything like that. It was just visually obvious. I went, looks like you've got some pain in your back. And she goes, yeah, it's like this. And blah, blah. I said, well, would you like me to pray for you? right now and God will just touch that and she goes well yeah so I just leaned over the counter I said can I put my hand on your shoulder and she says yeah so I just reached over and put my hand on her shoulder I said father would you just let your loving kingdom come upon and I read a name badge 
And so, so just come upon her. Would you let your power come? Would you let your love come? And just release healing into her body right now in the name of Jesus. And I took my hand off and I said, so what's going on? She goes, well, it feels all warm down there. I said, well, that's God. He just wants you to know that he sent his son Jesus to love you. And he wants a relationship with you. We bring the divine appointment. Get your diary out. Get your smartphones out. Because let me tell you, from the moment you walk out this door today, God has already lined up a whole series of divine appointments for each and every one of us to walk into. How awesome is that? Some of you are probably thinking, (laughs) that's okay. God loves us. We're his kids. Remember that? But wisdom, if you really want to be smart about the things of Jesus, wisdom realizes that every single moment that we're walking and doing life, there is a divine appointment ready to come as we just bring the kingdom to people. What a wonderful thing that God would use people like you and me Wisdom wants to make the most of every moment. Wisdom wants to move in the opportunities. And opportunity is kairos. It's a timing thing. It's a divine appointment. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. I've missed heaps of appointments, let me tell you. I've missed heaps of them, but I'm learning to go to more of them. (laughs) I'm learning to go to more of them. And I just encourage you too. This is a sign of the overflowing reality of belonging to Jesus. Uh, let's just finish up with this last one here. God talk, not smack talk. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, obviously, sometimes, you know, you might hear someone and, and, and the great Australianism is, oh, they're just talking, you know, they're just talking bull. <laughs> um, well, that shouldn't be the story of people that encounter us. We don't talk bull. We don't talk smack. We talk God. We talk the reality of God. So much so that when people encounter us and meet us along the way, they're like, you know what? There's something about those people. When they talk to me, it feels like there's this sense of life. There's this sense of freedom they bring to my life. There's this sense of God that somehow is touching my life. We're meant to be these people that overflow with the divine favour of God, the life of God. We also, through our conversation, in partnering with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, actually have the capacity to establish the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, into people's circumstances and lives. This is what our conversation should be. Full of this, not full of smack. Paul here is inviting us into such a profoundly deep inner relationship with belonging to Jesus that our conversation with people in everyday situations and interactions is so empowered, so covered with the favour and the life of God that the power of his love opens the doors for them to know Jesus love breaking through this is where Jesus wants or this is what Paul says 
a growing, maturing follower of Jesus begins to look like. Now, doing all these these overflow activities in the hope that you'll get connected to God will actually frustrate the cause. It's the other way around. It's just being found in a relationship with Jesus and the overflow of that begins to mature in our life and this is what it looks like.